Though writers tend to be loners, reluctant to spill our troubles, sometimes we should do just that. During a spell when my writing career felt futile, I told my troubles to Olga, or some of them. She sat still a while, then got an inspiration, picked up a Bible, turned to Genesis and read, In the course of time came, brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel, for his part, brought the firstlings of his flock, their fat portions, And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offerings, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Get it? she asked. I did. We talked a while about how we might discern what God was calling us to do. Then another inspiration came to her. This time she read from the Gospel of Luke. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Later, Olga read from Jeremiah, Call me and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. And she read from Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because... Because the Lord has anointed me to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. That afternoon, I drove over the mountains and across the desert to visit my Darcy and her family in Tucson. I put in a CD by Barry McGuire and Terry Talbot. As I listened to a cover of the Beatles' Help, I recalled a passage from Genesis and realized something I hadn't thoroughly grasped before about Cain. I saw that it wasn't actually about meat versus vegetables, but about what God wanted Cain to give, not what Cain wanted to give. Maybe, I thought, Cain didn't know what God wanted him to give. And maybe he didn't know because he didn't ask and wait for the answer. Likewise, perhaps I was writing what I wanted to write and not what God wanted me to write. Or even, perhaps God wanted me to give up writing in favor of something else. That last thought horrified me. A couple songs later came one that starts with a lyric. I can't call you the Lord and then not obey you. And goes on to petition God, speak to me, I will obey. Which reinforced the Cain lesson and added a footnote that led to Jeremiah's prophecy, which Olga had read, Call me, and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Maybe... Should I more frequently call on him, God would give my stories more wisdom. Olga had told me she felt a pervasive heaviness as if I were laboring under a heavy burden. She asked what gave me joy, and I realized I hadn't been feeling a lot of joy. A song called A Solon is about roving moochers around Christmas time. Toward the end, in the Talbot-McGuire version, a child's voice comes in singing, 
God rest ye merry gentlemen. The last line is tidings of comfort and joy. When I heard the word joy, I realized that the source of the deepest comfort and joy I have ever known is when I feel as if I'm living and working in accord with God's will. Some years ago, I wrote a story for the San Diego Reader about priests and seminarians in Tijuana with the missionaries of charity, Mother Teresa's order. Dean McFalls, a seminarian, showed me around. In the chapel over the altar, a larger-than-life Christ hung from his cross. At his feet stood a small woman dressed in missionaries of charity garb. According to the caption, Christ was saying, Tengo sed. In English, that's, I thirst. The woman was handing Jesus a cup of water. Dean said, that's how we define what we're doing. Mother doesn't think of us as ministering to people, but as ministering to Christ in his distressing disguise. Later, I was helping the brothers pass out food to some poor folks and marveling at how happy I felt. Afterward, I told Dean that even though I hadn't come to help anybody and was only pursuing a story and making money by doing so, I felt blessed. Dean said, when you minister to Christ in his distressing disguise, he blesses you back many times over. The six-hour drive across the desert following my talk with Olga felt like the trip of a lifetime, like a cruise to a land where I was greeted with a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit, which may only prove I'm at least slightly deranged and have more imagination than sense, or it may be evidence of grace.